Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. So, one of the things that I, that I was doing over this weekend, I was watching a lot of football. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? So, on Saturday when I was stuck in quarantine and my wife quarantined me to our bedroom, she didn't know what I had. To be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure what I had. I tested negative for COVID, uh, so don't worry about that. But um, I don't know what I had, so she quarantined me. So I watched a lot of football over the weekend. I watched football all day on Saturday and a lot of the day on Sunday after I participated in worship service, watch, watching Pastor Tad uh, preach on prayer from Matthew chapter 6, a fantastic sermon, encouraging sermon. One of the other things I did is I kind of followed along uh, politics. I followed some news articles and news sources, and, and I watched a little news on television. And if any of you have done that recently, it's, it's a little bit depressing. I mean, let's just be honest. And I don't know about you, but uh, when I watch a football game or watch any sports, I like to watch the game, not the political ads that come on in between in the timeouts. And, you know, you see one ad for a candidate, and they're the best thing in the world, and then the opposing ad comes on after that, and they're the worst thing in the world. And, you know, there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek about that. It's frustrating. And to be quite honest with you as Christians, one of the things that I know frustrates us is that it appears as if our culture and our country are running so far and so fast away from biblical values and a biblical perspective that it's heartbreaking. I mean, and I know you're concerned about that. And I know for some, to, to some degree that means that our responsibility is to be engaged politically. I, I hope you plan to vote if you haven't voted already. And those things are tremendously important. With all that said... I just want to remind you and remind us that our hope doesn't rest in who gets elected in November or who gets elected two years from now because there are always going to be elements of our culture that are going to run as far away from God and as far away from faith as they can. And I think that means that we as a church have more of an obligation and responsibility than ever before. Let me remind you of something. The New Testament church, the church that received Paul's letters, Ephesus, Galatia, Corinth, the the Christians that received the book of Hebrews, the letters that Timothy, or that Paul wrote to Timothy, the letters that that, uh, Peter wrote, all of those letters were written to the church in the margins. The church in the minority. The church in the early days was not the majority culture. Just remember that. Christians at Rome. And Paul writes this incredible letter of the gospel. And he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And then he gives all of that list of idol worship and idolatry and paganism and sinfulness and wickedness. All the way through the book of Romans. And we're sitting here as Christians 2,000 years removed reading that and saying, Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen. That's what's gone wrong with our country. 
Paul was writing that to a group of a few thousand Christians in a massive city capital or, or, or empire capital there in Rome. They were the minority. They were in the margins. But what is beautiful about the New Testament letters, what's beautiful about Scripture, is while they're written to people who are in the minority, they're written from the perspective of people who are victorious. Because our God is in control. Our God reigns. And so one of the things that has struck me as a Christian, particularly living in this era, is the reminder, folks, that no matter what happens on election days, no matter what happens on Wall Street, (coughs) no matter what happens with the economy, no matter all of those details, our God is in control. No matter what happens in the school system, Our God is in control. What does that mean we need to do? I've written down several things that we as a church need to do. Here's the first one. We need to focus on Christ, not politics. I'm not saying we don't need to have political opinions. I'm not saying we don't need to make, go, go vote. Please do all those things. But as a church, our focus needs to be on Christ because he's the victor. He's the one who reigns. He's the one who is who's foundational. And if people step into our church, and this is one thing we need to be aware of that can happen. We're living in a day and age where just because of where we live, we can't assume that everyone who would visit or attend Wilkesboro Baptist Church holds our political persuasions or holds our moral value system. They may not. Can I say that again? They may not when they walk in the door. And our job as Christians is not to persuade them primarily to a political system or a political ideology or even to a moral value system because that's a different religion. Biblical Christianity is not moralism. Biblical Christianity is the gospel. Meaning that what God wants is people who are lost to become found, people who are sinners, to become followers of Jesus, that's the starting point. So when I say we need to focus on Christ, what I mean is our church needs to be known not for who we voted for, but for who we celebrate every single Sunday in worship, and that's Jesus. So keep our focus on Christ. There are other ideas, there are other things that we need to recognize, but keep our focus on Christ. And Christ is going to tell us how we need to operate what we need to think about is part of the reason we're doing our doctrinal series because there are ways that we need to interpret our culture in light of scripture and make sure okay where do we stand biblically we need to stand there and stand there clearly and stand there carefully and stand there biblically i'm not telling us i'm not saying to anybody myself included that we're going to water down the gospel because of who might come into the church i'm just saying our focus needs to be on christ not on the other things Christ is the one that changes people, not the other things. We need to focus on Christ in our worship. I'll tell you something else we need to do that has struck me is we need to deepen our faith. I was reading this in my devotions this week, 2 Kings chapter 6. I've been reading through the stories of Elijah and Elisha again. I probably should preach a sermon series through these prophets. I'd I sometimes will say that and then get myself thinking about it, and I probably will sometime in the next year or so. 
wonderful stories. This one comes from 2 Kings 6, verse 8. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with the servants, saying, Such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him, and thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show, who, with, or show me who of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. So it was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So notice this. He sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night, and they surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant of the master said, Alas, master, what shall we do? You can put yourself in, in the shoes of that servant for a moment. So Elisha has been telling the king of Israel, Here's the, here are the plans of the king of Syria. He's protected the people of Israel. By the way, the king of Israel at this time was Ahab's son, who was a wicked, wicked man. Israel was not deserving of God's favor and protection during this era of uh, Israel's history, and yet God favored and protected them through Elisha the prophet. King of Syria said, what's the deal? Discovered that it was Elisha. So he sent an entire army around one little city to take Elisha prisoner. How would you like to be that pastoral assistant? I served on staff for a number of years, never had this experience. But it, you know, wake up, look outside. Oh my goodness, we have an army outside the doors. So he went to Elisha. And Elisha said, verse 16, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We need to deepen our faith. May look like the world's gone to chaos, and to some degree probably has. But he who is with us is greater than he who is in the world. God who is with us, the Lord of hosts, is greater than any armies that are set against us as his people. Uh, we just need to remember that. It, it may look chaotic outside, our country may continue to devolve into chaos. People of Israel did. I mean, they didn't get better after Elijah and Elisha. Imagine that. I mean, think about those prophets and those miracles and all the preaching they did. And the people of Israel didn't get better. They got worse. They continued to get worse. They got worse under Isaiah's preaching and under Jeremiah's preaching. Think about the people of Israel in Jesus' day. Jesus himself was there. They didn't believe. Folks, it is entirely possible, probable, that our country is not going to get better. That our country is going to get worse. That things are going to get worse. Economically, socially, morally, spiritually, politically. But he who is with us is greater than he who is in the world. 
Those that are with us, those that are for us, are more than those that are in the world. We don't have to be afraid. We have a God who we can count on and who we can depend on. So folks, I think we need to deepen our faith. Just trust that God's going to be with us. And what does that mean practically? I, I think it means something practically. I, I would say this, and I've talked with church members about this. I've talked with guests and visitors about this. I think one of the things that's going to become absolutely necessary in the coming years in the life of Christians and the life of churches is that we become framed and become founded and grounded in the doctrine that the Bible gives us to believe in. It used to be that you could be a cultural Christian and everything was sort of okay. Because you'd go to a church that, you know, worshipped on Sunday and sort of preached the Bible or did preach the Bible. But yet, society around you was very similar whether you were a Christian or not a Christian. People treated you basically the same way. I don't think we're going to see those days continue. One of the conversations I had with a guest the other week was just the concern they have about what's going on in schools and in media with relation to our kids. I've had to have conversations with both of my boys about issues of sexuality and gender far earlier than my parents ever had with me because of where they're becoming those ideas are being espoused to them, whether that's in media or whether that's in the school system or whether that's anywhere else. Here's what I mean by this. Our kids and our grandkids, if we want them to have biblical values, they're not going to get that from Disney. I mean, when I was growing up, what we watched as Disney movies, I mean, I watched the, the David Crockett movies. Some of y'all remember that, Old Yeller. You know, movies that were silly, like, uh, you know, The Shaggy Dog. Or movies, movies that may not, but they didn't have an agenda. They're just good family films. Not necessarily moral, not necessarily amoral. Folks, that's not the Disney of today. And I'm not trying to just pick at Disney. Netflix is the same way. Amazon is the same way with the, the ideologies that are there. Here's my point. When our children and grandchildren have biblical... They're not going to get it at school. And that's not, a, that's not a diss on any of you that are school teachers or came from the school system. The school system is not designed to teach a biblical worldview. It's not. No offense, it's just that's not the goal and the aim, and that's not what's going on. Even though my sons have had great Christian teachers, fantastic, I'm grateful for that. The school system's not going to teach them to believe in the authority of Scripture. Okay? Media's not going to teach them that. If, they want, if we want our children and grandchildren to know God and know his word, it's going to happen in your homes and it's going to happen in the church. And if it doesn't happen in your home and the church, it's not going to happen. So one of the things that that means, I believe, is that our church, for a church to be faithful to God, has got to be more than a country club church. Got to be more than just a place where we show up once a week and, and sing a few songs and hear a homily and go home and say, I've done my church this week. It's got to be a place where we can deepen our faith. And it's got to be a place where we're healthy. 
Framed healthy, strong, deep, and healthy. Why? Because if church, here's, here's one of the things I've watched and you have too. If your church is not a place that draws you to faith and deepens your faith, it's going to be easy to walk away from. It's been really easy for people to walk away from strong churches and healthy churches over the last couple of years. Seen that happen here? You've seen that? You could probably look around and see that person was here almost every week and where are they? And some it's health reasons and others it's just they've drifted away from attending. Believe me, that's happened far more in more challenging ways in unhealthy churches than it has at healthy churches. But one of the reasons I think it's tremendously important for us to strengthen our polity while we're moving to our plurality of elders, while we're trying to make sure that we're as healthy as we can be internally in our doctrine and what we teach and how we develop uh, followers of Jesus, is because, folks, the health of churches, the life of churches, is going to be tied to how we strengthen those that are here and deepen their faith as followers of Jesus and help our children and grandchildren, our teenagers and our young adults grow in a relationship with Christ. Because here's what will happen. If we don't do that, churches will cease to exist in 20 and 30 and 40 years. That's already happening today. Where churches are not investing in people that are younger than the attenders that are there. They're not, and so guess what happens in 20 years? The church is essentially non-existent. They haven't deepened and strengthened their faith. They haven't deepened their church life. It's easier for people to walk away. That can't be us. It shouldn't be us. God help us, it won't be us. Uh, so part of the reason that we, I believe we need a plurality of elders is to spread out our faith, spread out our ability to make disciples. And share something else with you. Being a pastor, Vince, you know this. Steve, you know this. Dad, you know this. Being a pastor is hard in this day and age. It, 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 the types of conversations I've had, counseling, care, uh, in the last two and a half years is far more challenging than anything I've had previous to that. Mental health is a challenging crisis that is elevating in the life of our in the life of our congregation why elders because i think it's biblical i think god gave that to us as a gave that to churches as an as a way to share the load to some degree uh, and i just want you to know something if you come talk to me when we have a plurality of elders it might be that our elders know what's going on in your life too I, i'm i'm not going to break confidences i don't mean that but but when you've got something going on in your life if, if I'm dealing with 20 people sharing it with me, and some weeks it's that or more, here's what's going on. Would you pray for me? I may not be able to give every single individual the attention and the prayer that they need in that given moment because of all the other prayers that I've got to give in that moment. And I don't mean that as a complaint. I'm just telling you, if you come and share something with me in January and February, it's a pretty good chance I'm going to be sitting down with our elders and saying, Hey, here's some things going on in the life of our church. Here, here's what they're doing, and I'm going to ask you to pray for them. And we're going to pray for you, and we're going to encourage you. And it may be one of them reaches out to you and says, you know, I, I'm going to be your point person for this need in your life. And I think that's going to help our church be healthier. Uh, and I certainly think one of the things that that does is it 
Listen, to be a Christian and to be a Christian in a, as a part of a church is to be someone who's known. I need to know you. Our elders need to know you. It needs to happen through the entirety of our membership. And one of the things that we're going to be kind of making sure takes place in the course of the, the next few years is that our elders know our church members as best as we're, we're able to do that. So I've given you three particular things I think we need to do. One, focus on Christ. That's a no-brainer. Two, deepen our faith. Three, is strengthen our polity. That's what I've been talking about. Uh, praying about elders and elevating elders and lifting them up and the, raising them up in the life of the church as they help us be healthy. Number four, this kind of goes along with all the things I've been talking about. I think we need to prepare for an encroaching culture. That's why we're doing a doctrinal series on Wednesday nights. You know, I got to thinking about why, why am I, uh, I used to be, I used to teach weekly at a Bible college. I'm not going in person to teach uh, because of all the other things I've got going on in life. I needed to take a step back. And here, just to be quite honest with you, another reason I'm not teaching there is I would teach 20 students in a college classroom. I have 100 students on Wednesday nights coming out regularly to learn Bible doctrine. Blew me away the interest of our church in those topics. I'm going to keep doing that. Because in order for us to prepare for what's going to happen to us or what is happening, how do we do that? We deepen our understanding of what God's Word says. I'll give you a final thing I think we need to do. We need to embrace our mission. Our mission is to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. There's a, there's a reason we want to see people baptized. It's not because we like sharing a, a big number of people who we've put under warm water now. You can, that, Tad's really happy that our water's warm. Uh, we got that fixed finally. Trey, I'm sure, is happy after being baptized Sunday that the water was warm. Folks, a person who agrees to be a follower of Jesus and follow through with baptism is someone who's lit who's committed to living their life as a follower of Christ. That's what it's all about. You know, I love that you're here. I love that we have others that are here with us on Sundays. But until all the lost people God wants to save are in all the churches that God has redeemed, Jesus isn't going to come back. And, and until... All those people he wants to save have heard the gospel and had an opportunity to respond to Christ. Then there are still going to be people that are separated from God. It's not primarily about who's here. In some sense, it's all about God who we want to worship. And then about those we need to reach. Because I really believe that your souls are okay. You've trusted Jesus to be your Savior, but the soul of your neighbor is not. The soul of your child or grandchild is not. The soul of your co-workers might not be okay. And folks, if we really believe what the Bible teaches, and if they were to die in this moment apart from Christ, the Bible says they're going to spend an eternity separated from God. We need to embrace our mission. It's not about growing to grow. It's not about more people to have more people. It's about seeing lost people become found people. Seeing dead people become alive people. Seeing unsaved people becoming saved people. We need to embrace our mission. 
I, I've really not plugged this since we got back from the pandemic. I think it's time we start inviting people back to church. It's time we start telling lost people about Jesus. And some of you have done that. And some of you are continuing to do that. Keep it up. Keep inviting people to know Jesus. We do that by worshiping, learning, serving, and replicating. So come and worship. Praise Jesus. You know, sing those glorious songs and sing them with a smile on your face. And honor Christ. Learn. Grow in a Sunday school class. Grow in a discipleship group. Come on Wednesdays and learn uh, how to live out your faith doctrinally. Serve. Find a place to serve. I'm so grateful for all the people who do serve. It takes a small army to make a want to happen on Wednesday nights and even a, a larger, small army to make Sunday mornings happen with Sunday school and nursery and sprout, I mean, and all the adult classes and children's classes and student classes and worship teams. I'm grateful for every one of you who serves. But don't serve by yourself. Invite someone else to serve with you. Folks, one of the reasons why I, I truly believe God wants us to have a plurality of elders is it is our job as pastors to make disciples of others. It's my job as a pastor to replicate my job in the life of other people and lay elders in the life of our church. Um, I, 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 think, I think God was looking out for us when he sent Tad Craig to Wilkesboro Baptist Church 15 years ago. Uh, you'd be so proud of him, not just, I mean, in the last week, he's handled a sound crisis. Like, our sound system really didn't work last Thursday. It, it kind of went kaput. Something failed. He spent like an hour and a half on Friday working on that. About the time I called him and said, I can't preach on Sunday. Do you have a sermon that you're ready to preach on Sunday? Showed up on Sunday to preach and then baptized those that needed to be baptized on Sunday and then helped lead in our uh, finance and budget meeting this past Tuesday night as we worked through our budgeting process. I'm grateful for that. But why do we have an associate pastor? Well, so we can raise up more people to be followers of Jesus. Why do we need a plurality of elders? So we as pastors and elders can raise up more people to grow in a relationship with Christ and then share that with others. So we can deepen the faith of those in our congregation. I realize that happens in teaching times. I realize that happens in Sunday morning settings. You know when it happens best? You know when it happens best. It happens best in those one-on-one -on -one relational opportunities or small group relational opportunities. That's why we had that great women's ministry event. It took place a couple of Sunday nights ago. Why are they going to have Bible studies? It's important to have big events. It's important also get around a table and talk with somebody and really get to know them and help their faith grow stronger. And that doesn't just need to happen in special settings like in pastor settings. It needs to happen throughout the life of the church. We need to replicate the life of Jesus. The healthier we grow as a church, deepening our faith, deepening our structures and our policies and how we live that out day by day, week by week, I promise you as we do that and we share the good news of Jesus, the more people I believe will come to know Christ the more ready we'll be for the encroaching culture that we see around us, and uh, the more faithful we'll be as a church that follows Jesus. And so that, you know, it, 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 in some ways, in some ways, it'd be kind of nice if all we had to do to have a good church experience was have a big rally. 
because we can put on a rally. We can put on an event. We can get a bunch of people to show up and hoop and holler and yell and cheer, hold a sign. Those things are encouraging, and they're not unmeaningful. You know where church health comes from? It doesn't come from the rallies. Not that they're wrong. You know, where, where following Jesus came from, it didn't happen at the breaking of the bread and the thousands that were fed. It happened in those individual moments when Jesus met with Peter and James and John and he walked with them and talked with them and it happened as faith deepened day by day, event by event, worship service by worship service, Sunday school class by Sunday school class, discipleship group by discipleship group, prayer time by prayer time, conversation by conversation. So I guess what I'm asking you to help us do is just continue to be a part of that. Where you're already doing that, keep being faithful. Keep doing it. Where you could add a little bit and help somebody else out, keep doing that. Pray for us. Um, I know you do. I know you encourage us. This is such an encouraging church to be a part of. I know you prayed for me this weekend. I know you'll pray for me this upcoming Sunday to get through three times talking. I know you'll pray. I appreciate that. Thanks for being here tonight. Again, uh, you're getting out early. If you're here with kids, don't, let, don't go get them. Just wait till 7.15. Give it a few minutes. Pray for Steve. Pray for our other elder candidates. Um, come ready with some good questions for Steve. Try to stump him. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Try to stump him next week. Come with some good questions for Marsh and Vince in the coming weeks. Pray for us. I will continue in the Doctrine series. We'll be uh, beginning through the Doctrine of Christ. So what I'll do is I'll just prepare as much as I think time I'll have next week with, after Stephen in the coming weeks, and we'll begin working through that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. 